All right, uh, this morning, uh, speaking about my covenant, I will not break. This is God's making this declaration that my covenant I will not break. Now, uh, oftentimes we think of a covenant as a, a contract. And there is a covenant that is a contract. And generally, the covenant most often refers, referred to is between two equal parties, okay? Two equal parties that... Uh, um, the bond is sealed by both parties, making an agreement that they both are in agreement with this contract or this covenant, and um, they will both carry out the assigned roles, and everything will be fine. It's like a contract. But the covenant in uh, the scriptures, uh, the, the persons are the recipient, and God is the maker, all right? And when God is the maker, that... Um, these uh, recipients are not contributors, all right? You and I. When God has made a covenant, now there's, there's, con there are conditional covenants, such as if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, God will hear and heal and restore. So that's kind of a, that's a conditional covenant, if my people pray, all right? But the covenant that we see given to Abraham and to Isaac, and we studied in the Sunday school lesson, the covenant that is given there is a non-conditional covenant. God is saying that he is responsible and the recipients are capable of receiving, okay? And they are not expected, and this is talking about the covenant, they are not contributors, recipients, we don't contribute to it. We are not expected to offer elements to the bond. You know, we don't offer anything to make sure that what God has said is, is complete, and to receive the results that God by oath assures will not be withheld. So God is saying to us that he is giving us the assurance that what he has promised that he will fulfill. Now, it seems like that's a kind of a, you know, a lopsided covenant. <laughs> it's a lopsided agreement. If you get into an agreement like that with somebody, with a person, you're in trouble <laughs> because they have all the rights and you have none. In this case, God is saying, I am responsible and I am going to give and I am going to fulfill and I am going to do this and you have the rights to receive it. So this is the covenant. Now, the problem is we're a lot like the, the children's book, Alexander and a Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> Any of you teachers know that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Well, Alexander falls asleep with chewing gum in his mouth. And when he awakes, the chewing gum is in his hair. <laughs> and his breakfast box doesn't have a toy at the bottom. And he cannot impress his teacher despite his best efforts, and he resolves then to move to Australia. <laughs> okay, that's Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Unfortunately, changing locations doesn't change the outcomes, all right? Uh, Alexander and those who think like him really don't solve any problems because the problems move with us. <laughs> so sometimes people feel like if they move on, they move to another city, another location, move here, move there, whatever that they will um, 
You know, they'll, get, they'll escape the problems that they have, the, the, the difficulties that they have. Um, I know in, um, in the grieving process, we often spoke of this where people uh, had um, a loved one in their life has passed, has died, and they, you know, they want to sell their house and move someplace else. They want to move to another city, move to Florida, you know, spouse has died and whatever. They want to move. They want to move someplace else because where they're at has a lot of heartache and pain. Well, changing locations only adds more pain. Anybody know why? <laughs> You're going to take your pain with you, but you also created another loss, the loss of your home the loss of your neighborhood, the loss of your friends. You've created another loss on top of the loss that you already have. And so changing locations doesn't change. So what we're looking at here is that we are to change, and, and God is the one who is the author of, of, of the change that goes on inside of us. That if you, <laughs> I like this other illustration, if, you have a, if your mind is a hundred room hotel, okay, you have a hundred rooms to rent out, in your hotel. You, you rent out 75 rooms to liars, gamblers, and thieves. <laughs> and you rent out 25 rooms to good, loving, and caring people. Who do you think is going to take over the hotel? <laughs> the 75. The liars and thieves and whatever. So what we think about, we plan. What we plan we end up doing. So you can't stop thoughts. Thoughts come, but thoughts must be kept going. Remember years ago, um, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. That's why Terry shaved his head. That's why I have no hair. Because <laughs> no bird is building a nest in my hair. <laughs> So, we have two choices. One is to be Alexander, or the other is to enter into a covenant. A covenant that is so lopsided, we would be totally, well, I don't want to say what we'd totally be, but you can understand. Here's a covenant that God says, I'm totally responsible for, and I will ensure that this covenant will be fulfilled, and you all you're responsible to, for is to be, to be the recipient, okay? So the bank is offering a million dollars, and to be the recipient, you have to show up and ask for it. Now, I don't hear, know of a bank doing that, but you, you know how, it's how lopsided that is. You don't have to invest. You don't have to sign on a dotted line. All you have to do is show up and ask. God has forgiven us of our sin. All we have to do is show up and ask. We receive forgiveness. But let's go on. So, it, does, it is not a matter of just thinking. See, if it were just our thoughts that made up the difference, then we would, you know, it would be totally up to us. Just change your mind and everything's okay. That way, only women would go to heaven. Because only women have the right to change their mind. But... <laughs> Duck. <laughs> I should be careful. <laughs> I should be careful there's more women here than men. I, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm outnumbered. All right. So, all right. so 
Yeah. Yeah, well, anyhow. Um, <laughs> so if we take this psalm that we're looking at here today, and it is in Psalm, 30, uh, psalm 89, 34, it says, My covenant will I not break. That's a King James Version. My covenant will I not break, or I will not dis- dishonor my promise, or I will not violate my covenant. I will not break my covenant nor alter the things that is gone out of my mouth or out of my lips. So God is saying to us, he has promised that he will not alter the agreement. Okay? God has promised I will not alter the agreement. You know, we're going to study in, um, in Sunday school that uh, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob is going to get uh, a wife from his uh, from his uncle and Laban and Laban is the you know Jacob is a deceiver and Laban's a deceiver and we're going to see how they change the rules <laughs> you know Jacob is going there and he works seven years for a wife and uh, he, he he gets goes through the marriage ceremony of course he can't see who it is <laughs> and uh, he, he takes her into the tent and they're together and they're husband and wife and he wakes up in the morning it's the wrong woman <laughs> what happened Laban switched. And then Laban comes back and says, well, it's our custom. The older one gets married first, not the second one. You've got to work seven more years if you want her. <laughs> change the rules in the middle. God doesn't change the rules. God doesn't change the promises. What God promised, he has, he, what God has promised, he is on his own word dependent to provide. All right, so this psalm then um, is, is written after the glory days of King David and King Solomon, and the people are kind of on a downward spiral because they are, there's tribals, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribes are fighting between each other, and you know, they, they were always fighting with each other. But anyhow, then the, inwardly, inside the tribes, they were fighting with each other. So they were in, inwardly in the family fighting and outwardly fighting against their relatives, you know, the other, the other tribes. So they did not protect what was good. They didn't protect what it was that brought their lives blessing and, you know, what came to the nation through David and through Solomon. They they kind of became comfortable in their blessing and they didn't protect what was going on for them. So in this psalm then, we're reminded, or they are reminding themselves of how that God has promised to be with them and how that God has promised to fulfill his word in their life. Um, <laughs> I always love the part where whenever we say that people don't, they, they say we don't understand God. You know, we don't understand God. Well, do you understand the weather? <laughs> well, not really. Weathermen don't even understand the weather. <laughs> but we do understand, we see the global positioning satellites and we see the weather patterns and how that they come and go across the, the globe. But why is it that we don't believe in a flat earth? <laughs> because we're educated. <laughs> You know, if you lived, uh, you know, even a few hundred years ago or maybe a thousand years ago in, uh, in Central America and in Mexico and those places, uh, they would sacrifice people to the sun god because the sun would disappear 
And then if they killed enough people, it would come back up. <laughs> you know, and it's like they, they thought that they had to appease the sun god in order to get him up in the morning. They didn't realize that the earth was circular. And so it's funny how that once we begin to understand certain things, we begin to view the world differently. <laughs> when we understand certain things, we view the world differently. And we, we don't, you know, the people who are members of the Flat Earth Society, there is a Flat Earth Society. You can look it up and be a member of it if you like. And uh, they don't believe that the world is flat, I mean, round. It's a Flat Earth Society. Well, I don't know what their tenets of faith is, but you, you wonder where people are, <laughs> are at who would believe such a thing. But you can also belong to the Procrastinator Society. Did you know that? Yeah, it's a charter member, yeah. <laughs> I'm a charter member of the Procrastinator Society, but you know I just put it off until tomorrow to become a member. Um, so, yeah, I haven't signed up yet. I have it on my to-do list. So, so the psalmist then, he, he, he's writing this psalm and he's building up uh, upon God's covenant that he has established with David and... David then, in this, in this psalm, we've got to understand that David is as a figure of Christ who is to come later. So the blessing and the covenant that they are talking about that God has established with King David is something that he is, it's, you know, David can't fulfill all of these things that uh, is spoken of of him. So it's actually speaking of Christ. And the covenant that is established through David is through Christ, which is to us. That's a long way of saying, a long way of saying that the covenant that God established with Abraham is a covenant that he's established with us. Because we are, he is the father of our faith. We are grafted into the vine. You see, the, 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 the divine tree, the divine trunk is God, is Christ. And when we are forgiven, we're grafted into that tree. And grafted into the tree, the life of the tree goes into the branch, and the branch has life because it comes from the tree. And the, the covenant is that God's Holy Spirit will flow into our lives and that our life would produce fruit. But you see, these, we don't have to. It's like, uh, can you imagine going out and speaking to the apple tree and say, you better bear fruit this year. <laughs> It's just going to do it naturally. You know, beating the tree doesn't make it grow fruit. Beating our lives up doesn't make us bear fruit for God. All right. So, we understand then that these verses that we read in this covenant or are about to read in this covenant speak of Christ and speak of God's blessing into our own lives. So, Psalm 19, verse... Um, Excuse me. We're looking at verse 19 of Psalm 89. A long time ago, in a land far, far away. No, <laughs> that was Star Wars. Uh, a long time ago, you spoke in a vision. You spoke to your faithful beloved. So we have God's declaration here in this, in this psalm here. He, it is God declaring that he has spoken. God has spoken, and this is the word, a promise that he has given to us. And um, 
it was spoken in a vision. It was spoken in a vision to those who were the authors of, you know, David and the Psalms and writing about the promises of God. And it was a revelation that came from God to us. Now, we mentioned a little bit about this in Sunday school, thinking of, of ourselves, about the impressions that we feel in our hearts. You know, things that we, we believe God is going to do, that we believe that God has for us to do. It's, you know, a blessing that it is yet to come. And we're, we're it's hard to tell other people because I remember I, I mentioned this, that I told somebody my, my, my dream and they laughed, <laughs> you know. And then I was complaining to God about it and, and I said, well, they don't understand your dream because it's my, it's my dream to you. It's my gift to you, not to them. And you see, there are some things that we feel in our heart that we, we think that, we think that, you know, we, we feel that God has given it to us, but it doesn't seem like it will ever happen. And, but see, that's where our faith has to come into play and remember that God is the one who has established the covenant and he is the one who caused it to come to pass. So it is my responsibility then to just, to believe, to expect, to, ha- you know, to, know, to know that God is there and that God is with me, and that it is always from where I am to where I'm going. <laughs> it's from where I am to where I'm going, and that we have to let go of our past and our failures and our mistakes and the things that we've done to others and others have done to us. We have to forgive them and give it to God and go on from here. And, and, the, and the scripture goes on and says, I've crowned a hero. I chose the best I could find. I found David, my servant, poured holy oil on his head, and I'll Keep my hand steadily on him. Yes, I'll stick with him through thick and thin. Well, the choice is made. God had chosen David. Now, I, I always like, I like the, the story of David and how that huh, he, he was chosen by Samuel, to anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Um, if, if you ever think that um, well, let's do it, do it this way. David, his, his father, didn't account him as a very important person because Samuel came, came to, the, you know, to, the, to Jesse's house and said, I want to see all your boys. <laughs> I'm going to anoint one king. Jesse didn't even send for David because he's this ruddy kid out there watching sheep. He's this, you know... He's just a, a kid. He, he's really not that important. And so his father looked at him as not very important. His brothers didn't consider him very important because when David showed up at the battle where, where he took on Goliath, his brothers, his older brother said, what are you doing here? I know what's in your heart. I know what's in your life. <laughs> you, you, you know, you just come out and watch the battle. Who's watching those sheep, those, that little flock of sheep you're supposed to be watching? <laughs> See, David wasn't very, didn't appear to be this person. But in the scripture here, it's saying that I have found David, my servant. See, God, is in, you know, God looks on the inside. And the promises that God puts in our heart, in, in our life, is not for who we are, but it's who we're, who we're going to become. 
See, we're in a process of becoming the person that God has called us to be. And in this process, we have to go through a lot of things. And, you know, when we read the, the, the sing the song about um, renew a right spirit within me, create a clean heart, what we're doing, every time we are forgiving, every time we are letting go of the, the hurt that we've done or others have done and letting go of the pain and allowing God to heal, we are renewing the right spirit and preparing the vessel to be recipients of what God wants to do in the future. The blessings that God wants to bring into our life. So when we, when we remember the things that God has already forgotten or forgiven, we are kind of like screwing the lid on the, the jar that God wants to pour the blessing in. So the choice is made. The position to whom the promise is given, David was the king of God's own choosing, and so is Christ. But also, we, we look at this and say, okay, the covenant is with David, but also Christ. But remember this one in John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. So you see, God's covenant of choice was for David, was for Abraham, is in Christ and is in us. He chose you. We didn't find God. God found us. And we opened the door. God was the one looking for us. Remember the, the hundred lambs and 99 and one is lost and the good shepherd, he goes out and looks for the one. We're the one. We're the one that the shepherd left the flock for to come and to find us so that we might have life with Christ and be one of the flock, one of the family, one of God's family. So you see, he chose us, he found us. So Jesus is the one that is mighty, in every way qualified to be the great work that he was undertake. He's able to save to the uttermost. He is the one who is mighty in strength. He is great in battle. He is the one that, you know, the heaven and earth were created by, and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. He's the almighty God. And he, in his loving grace and mercy, came and said, I have a promise I want to give you. I have a promise that I want to give you. And it's not conditional on you. I give you my word. I will, make the, I will bring this to pass. See, that's not an ordinary agreement. That's a covenant. And verse 22 says, no enemy will get the best of him. <laughs> no enemy will get the best of him. No enemy will get the best of Christ. But you know what? No enemy will get the best of you because you are in Christ. Christ is in you. Now, we look at it and say, well, I lost this one. The battle's not over. Well, this battle's over, but the war hasn't ended. You see, there are skirmishes that go on and, you know, burnt people and situations and things that we have con seemingly have control over, things in our family, things in our town, our community, things in our state, things in our nation, things in our world. You know, we, have, we look at this and we say, it's out of control. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's not out of control. God is in control. People may 
be anti-God, but that doesn't cancel the promise of God. Unbelief does not cancel out God's promise to you. The unbelief of, you're going to have a million people that don't believe and one that does, those million do not cancel out the one believer. So as you believe, as you allow the promise to be spoken, the enemy cannot get the best of you. No scoundrel, you know, no scoundrel will do him in. The, the people who crucified Jesus, they were, they were afraid. They were afraid they were going to lose their power. They were afraid they were going to lose their money, their income. They were afraid that the, 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 the temple system was going to collapse and they would be left with nothing. And it was better to kill Jesus than for them to suffer this great loss. Because Jesus had come to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Well, if he takes away the sins of the world, we're out of work. We, 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 we allow people to bring their sheep in, but we sell them the sheep, you know. You know, we sell them the sheep that they can give to us so that we, we will sacrifice them for them, but we don't sacrifice them. We run them around the other side and sell them again. We got a prophet going here, you know. And if, if there's uh, uh, only one priest, one sacrifice, and everybody becomes a priest, what are we going to do? <laughs> Talk about corrupt politics. <laughs> You know, again, not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> God says, I'll weed out all who oppose him. I'll clean out all who hate him. The covenant that God has given is that everyone who hates Christ will be weeded out. Well, why, why doesn't God do that? Remember the story that Jesus had about the, the harvest, the, the planting the wheat, and at night somebody came and threw the tares in, and the weeds were growing among the wheat, and, G, and the guy wants to go in and tear out, all the wheat, uh, tear out all the tares. He says, no, no, let it go until harvest, and then I will separate them. That's what's going on in our world, that we grow along with the tares, the weeds. And you may be side by side with a weed, <laughs> And don't go looking at anybody. But anyhow, <laughs> we may be side by side with a weed. But, you know, we say, when are you going to get rid of these people? Don't worry about it. God's grace and God's mercy will take care of them. God's grace and God's mercy will take care of us. Who knows? Maybe God can change their heart. Maybe you can influence them for good for God. But when it's all said and done, God will do the separating, not us. I'll clean out. And then it says, I'm with him for good. And I'll love him forever. God didn't put a time limit on it. It's forever. This is a forever good. This is a forever God. This is a forever blessing. God will, not, God will withhold. God will not withhold any good thing. <laughs> Let that covenant stick in. Let that covenant blessing stick it in your life. God will, will, will not withhold 
any good thing. Well, what about the bad things? (laughs) They're going to come and they're going to go. What about the trials? They're going to come and they're going to go. Jesus didn't live a a, a trial-free life. None of the apostles lived a trial-free life. But no good thing would God withhold from them. Hmm. The good. The good. God, God has good things in store for us. You know, and we, we, we look at, what about great and exceptional? <laughs> well, let's look at the word good. That when God created the heavens and the earth, when God did, was finished with creation, and each day he looked at it and he said, this is good. No good thing will God withhold from us. So what we are doing is allowing that which is not good, that which our sin, that which is our failures, that which we've hurt, that which other people have hurt us, we're letting it go because I am believing from this day forward that God is going to bring the good things into my life. Well, what about the bad? Hey, the weeds are there with the wheat. <laughs> Me, you know, I'm, I've been... Um, there's a... There's a... Um, video thing on on YouTube big tractor <laughs> big tractor you know combines tractors and they have all these wheat harvest and corn harvest in western Kentucky and I mean I love looking at that stupid thing <laughs> I'm sorry but anyhow they have they have seven John Deere combines going one time seven they have one field that's 2,000 acres That's a lot. But anyhow, I like big machines. But I don't know where I was going with that, but it just popped in there and I threw it out. (laughs) Verse 25 says, I put oceans in his one hand, rivers in the other hand, and he called out, Oh, my Father, my God, my rock, my rock of salvation. In all of the earth, in all of the oceans, and everything that is there, Christ is the rock of our salvation. Yes, I'm setting him apart as the first of the royal line. Christ is the first of the royal line. Who's second? You and I. Hmm. Verse 26, I'll preserve him eternally in my love. I'll faithfully do all I solemnly promised. I'll faithfully do all that I have solemnly promised. That goes back, that's the covenant. What I have said, I will do. And the covenant is my promise, unconditional to you. Okay? You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be perfect enough. You have to be willing. And being willing is something that's in the inside. It's in our heart. Who will go? I'll go. Who will respond to the call of God? I will. <laughs> you know, at um, minister's meeting, this one we had, um, it's held at the camp, what is called um, uh, the Pendell District Campground. And it's, you know, ministry center. And they have a large uh, chapel, large gymnasium, whatever you want it to be. And during one of the services, they had, um, I noticed that there was uh, tapes 
X's, you know, on the floor in different locations. Well, during the ceremony, or during the ceremony, during the sermon, the, the person who was speaking had people who were in the congregation come up and stand on the floor in those spots where God called them to ministry at youth camp. And some of them were almost as old as me, <laughs> and some of them were just 19 years old. But what it, what it was was that people would go, and then he would call their name, and the light would shine on them, and they would talk about when God called them to ministry at that spot. One called them to China. You know, a young teenager, I think she was a teenager, God called her to China, and, you know, she's a preacher's kid. And five years later, her mother and dad and her are going to China. (laughs) And they had about 10 people, and each one of them stood in a different spot on the floor in the front of the auditorium there where they were called to ministry. And you see, every one of us have a place where God has spoken to our heart. And because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. Because God is faithful. (laughs) God is faithful. And we all know uh, this... This one section here, I, I was particular, you know, I, I thought of it in the context of how we give up too much on people. It says, if his children, you know, uh, I'll read the verses prior to that. It says, um, I'll, I'll guarantee his family tree. Guarantee is a formal promise or assurance. And I'll underwrite his rule. Sign and accept liability. So, for in, the first, in, in this verse 34, God is a covenant. And then in this verse, leading up to verse 34, he says, I will underwrite and I will guarantee the family tree. All right? Now, it says, If his children refuse to do what I tell them, if they refuse to walk in the way I show them, if they spit on the directions I give them and tear up the rules I post for them, I'll rub their face in the dirt for their rebellion and make them face the music. God doesn't let us go. He doesn't let our children go. He doesn't let his promises go. You know, we give ourselves and we give our kids and we give our, our parents, we give them to God and God will not let them go. Remember the prodigal son? He ended up in the pig pen feeding the pigs and he came to himself and said, Oh, my father. And this is a promise God has given to us for us and for our children. Train up a child in the way that he, that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Why? Because God doesn't let his children go. (laughs) God doesn't let us go. Okay? Why? He loves me. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. 
He has a plan for those who don't even know him yet. He has a plan for the lost. He has a plan for our kids. He has a plan for our grandkids. He has a plan for them all. And you see, and the, we then are here and saying, God, you made an agreement that you promised that from your perspective and from your part, you will honor for all eternity. You promised. And I accept your promise to my life. <laughs> you forgive me. You fill me with your spirit, your Holy Spirit, and you give to me the promises that will, as I renew that right spirit, as I allow the Holy Spirit to renew that in me, I continue to allow God's provision to come to me. I have given my word, God says, verse 34. I have given my word, my whole and holy word. Do you think I would lie to David? <laughs> I've made a covenant. I will not dishonor my promise. I will not break my word. That's what God has given to us. God is saying, I will not, I cannot, I will never break my word. So what we think is a failure is only we haven't seen the end of it yet. God will honor his word. The promise he has given to us, whether it was as a child or whether it was today, God will honor his word. Amen? Do we receive it? <laughs> Let us stand. The psalm ends by saying, his family tree is here for good. His sovereignty as sure as the sun, de dependable as the phases of the moon, inescapable as the weather. <laughs> I, will, I will not dishonor my promise. So God, you have spoken to our lives through your word, by your spirit, into us, through us, for us. God, you know who we are, but that was not the condition of the promise. The promise is upon your authority, upon who you are, the creator and sustainer of life. You have promised good and not evil. You've promised to lead us in the path of righteousness for your namesake. God, you have promised that you, would, you will withhold no good blessing from us. God, you've promised that as we are in your hands, nothing will ever separate us from you. God, you have promised that you will be our strength, our shield, our comforter, our sustainer. God, you bring hope and healing and restoration. God, you are the one that we look to as the author and the finisher of our faith. Your, our faith is complete in you. So God, we open our hearts we open our minds, we receive the covenant of blessing that is from all eternity to all eternity. We receive it into our hearts and minds. Do you receive it in Jesus' name? And the answer is yes.
Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 